Hi everyone and welcome to Barefoot with Spirit podcast. I'm your host Leanne the Barefoot Medium and I'm incredibly excited to connect with you to be able to bring you channeled information from spirit, source, the divine, universe, whoever it is you call it, to inspire you to transform your experience, consciously manifest your desires and connect with your intuition and spirit. Before we get started, I would like to take a moment to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which I stand and on which my guest stands and pay my respects to the elders past, present and emerging. And I extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples and First Nations people who are tuning in from around the world. Kick off your shoes, take a deep breath into your heart space and step into this amazing sacred container that we've created for you today for a deep, intimate and connected conversation with my guest, Kim Hayden, to talk about resiliency and leadership. Now, Kim has excelled in several industries and has a wealth of knowledge and experience which she'll share with us, including real estate, TV producer, red carpet event host, author, and now a speaker. She brings a lifetime of experiences and work together in the form of her Resilience series. Kim is the self-proclaimed queen of resilience, which I love, and is on a quest to bring her message about resiliency and leadership to the world by addressing the pain points of confidence, credibility, and relevance by sharing stories and strategies that built her a six and seven figure career while overcoming the imposter feel due to a childhood of disadvantage and trauma. Wow. Welcome, Kim. That is an amazing intro. Thank you so much. Uh, I actually would love to get your points on how to do a really good podcast intro. I have to tell you, that's one of the, the more collected and and authentic and heartfelt intros and it's just acknowledging one of the things that we do here in Alberta is we do acknowledge the uh, Tissu Nation and our Treaty 9 um, and um, you know that being from Kansas and not even being aware of what's going on and then coming here and having this almost hyper aware because unfortunately the the Commonwealth Australia and Canada are both still somewhat reeling from the injustices through like residential schools and things like that. So I think you did that amazing. I was sitting here trying to take notes. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. My, I have a background in education and teaching. So I, I'm familiar with how to present and, and have done TV, radio, podcasts for quite some time. So, and for me, really acknowledging the Indigenous peoples is incredibly important given that my work and my branding for my business is around the barefoot and our feet touch the earth and the Indigenous peoples all around the world have been on this earth and honour and respect the earth and, and work with the energies of the earth every single day and you know a lot of my training and my background is from the Indigenous people in South America. So, you know, it's really important for me to honour that and respect, you know, our ancestors as well. Absolutely. It's interesting because you talk about barefoot and then there is um, 
there has been some cultural shifts in uh, retreats, like in Japan, uh, Southern California, barefoot walking through the uh, desert. Um, they're like, we're seeing this and they're talking and they talk a lot about the energy that you, and it's actually a chemical reaction. It's science. It's not just, you know, heartfelt. It's literal science, right? Of how you absorb enzymes and chemicals through your feet and they come up through. So I find that I just, yeah, as soon as I saw the name of your show, I'm like, oh, this is somebody I got to reach out to. I'm not, (laughs) I'm not overly spiritual in the sense that I'm always running. I'm one of these people that I'm running through the field of tulips with while I'm stepping on them all. I'll be honest. I move so fast. It's at light speed, but I do believe in being respectful. Yeah. I, my mother raised me to be a good steward, to be a good neighbor. And, yeah. uh, and I feel like that's what I've passed on to my kids is that being a good neighbor and being a good neighbor means here in Canada, it's snowing, but de- you're not out shoveling your walk, but here Basically, the simple explanation I always gave my kids is if somebody doesn't shovel their front walk or their, or their sidewalk, do not assume they're being lazy. Assume they need a knock on the door and see how you can be of service because you don't know if that person has MS. We have the highest concentration of MS anywhere in the world, just 35 minutes from my front door. Wow. Yes. So do not assume just because you look at somebody, you know, their story. You don't know what's going on inside. You don't know the physical ailments or the mental ailments or the, you know, emotional trauma, anything that, that disables their cognitive skills to maybe navigate that frozen sidewalk that day. Yeah. And I think that is the the key really to a spiritual life is that no matter what your, your spiritual beliefs are, it's really about respecting, honoring, and being kind and compassionate and loving to other humans. It doesn't matter what whether it's God or Jesus or Buddha or Muhammad or, or you don't believe in that at all. That's okay because it's just about being a good human. About being kind. Yeah. What happened? Why is being kind not cool anymore? What happened to the big happy faces and the 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 peace signs? You could tell I was a Girl Scout. The peace <laughs> signs <laughs> that just came up automatically, right? Um, I totally get it. I totally get it. Um, I was I had I had a conversation with my mother this morning, so I'm going to give you a little bit of background. Yeah. I am. So when we talk about resilience and leadership, this is literally something that was ingrained for me from the time I was five years of age because. I, my father is, uh, is a, is a sociopathic predator in the United States. So we went through over a decade of working within the court systems in Wichita, Kansas, dealing with the DA's office, dealing with, uh, they, they had a pilot program called uh, the diversion board where they tried to keep families intact and all this other stuff that they were doing. And God love them for trying something, but you know, it wasn't the right solution or for our family. Meanwhile, my mother is raising four very angry, damaged girls all on her own on $3 and 25 cents an hour and waiting tables at a pancake house. And we moved into my grandparents' basement. You want, like, this is movie of the week, five females, 
four of them hormonal, one of them like, you know, the divorcee with no bloody money and a crazy ex in 700 square feet with one bedroom or one bathroom, two bedrooms, one bathroom, not a good mix. There was like, this was Hunger Games original. <laughs> so don't touch my boom box. That's my mascara. So, um, so we, <laughs> I, I, resiliency and leadership, because I was the eldest of these of four girls. So I had three younger siblings and I did help my mother with them. And then one Christmas was a Christmas that had I not been uh, 16 years of age and earning my own money, there would not have been a Christmas. So that's literally how impoverished we were. And we were doing our best just to keep food on the table. But I was talking to my mom today and it was because uh, I talk to her every week. My mom is, is in some ways very much my hero. We have very different views on a lot of things, but the one thing we have view is the value of human beings. And I was really asking her because I know so many women are, re they really struggle with this. And during the pandemic, we've seen a lot of fallout around women in equality and pay, women in equality of caring for the children. We're, we're seeing fallout and divorce. We haven't even fully opened our doors to know the fallout with our children, right? So there's all this going on. And I said, mom, how did you do this, right? How, how did you not make me feel bad about having the same color of eyes as my father? So every time, so you, so this is a woman, think, think about this. This is a 35 year old woman. This is a young woman with four girls. And I'm looking at her angry. I'm 15 years old and angry beyond all belief and yelling and screaming at her as teenagers because that's what we do. And she never, not, never once ever said, Kimberly Joe, don't look at me with those eyes. You look just like him. And I was so, I'm so to this day at 52 blown away by this, that this is actually an entire chapter that I'm writing. And uh, we're doing a book, we have a collective of leaders, speakers and coaches doing a book on life after divorce. So we're talking about everything from finance, to the psychology of dating, uh, to uh, one of our gals is a published author and a traditional published author. And she's writing this as almost like a, a sequel to her book about coming through, um, it was uh, narcissism and, and like emotional abuse. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm writing it on through my father's eyes, how my mother taking the stance she did. And I don't know how to this day, I don't know how she did it because I don't know if I would have had that ability and never allowing me to feel shame. And then my oldest son has my eyes so that shame was not transferred on. And now I have my grandson. I have the cutest little three-year-old grandson. And he has the same eyes. And this kid has no, he is now two generations separated from abuse on my father's side that had been going on generationally. Yeah, beautiful. One woman made such a huge, and that like that ripple effect. So that's my story on resiliency and leadership. And I learned it all from my mom. So <laughs> there you go. I, you know, and, and I know that coming through experiences that challenge us is, is how we grow resilience. And, you know, whether it's trauma, abuse, whether it's, you know, being, you know, not having any money in your bank, whether you don't have a roof over your head or a job or relationship breakdown or whatever it might be. And like you said, 
the pandemic has kind of brought out a lot of things, particularly for everyone, particularly for women. And, and here in Australia, we've had previously a lot of lockdowns where we've had to stay home and women have had to not only work from home and so have men, women have also had to work from home and care for children and help them teach and, and, and study and, and become teacher. And I've got, you know, a girlfriend who is a teacher and she was at home with three girls as well as teaching online and she said, oh, I just want to send my own kids to school. Yep. Yep. Well, and there's, I think that actually for a lot of people and I don't, and I, and I really want to put this out there. Yes. I went through extremes. I did. And that is just a statistical fact. However, my level of trauma is no different emotionally to my soul my mental well-being and the way I respond to things in flight, fight or flight type of scenarios than somebody who has never had any of those traumas. They go through this pandemic, everything that has been, you know, boiling or seeding in their marriage or any challenges. If they have a child that's undiagnosed Asperger's before this, and then it becomes evident through this, like that person's trauma will impact the rest of their life from this 24 month period. So what I, I, I hear this from so many people, like we talk and I'm getting very comfortable with my story because even though the first 15 years of my life were very, very, very traumatic, um, the reality is, is that trauma is now truly a craptastic, my, my dub word here, craptastic experience because it was very crappy. However, the fantastic results and the women that I'm able to actually talk with and help, um, I'm not a coach. I'm just going to put that out there. I'm not a coach. I am not an emotional space to be a coach. Mm-hmm. I can be your friend mm-hmm. and I can help mentor where you need to go. However, I do not have the uh, true academic training and I would never take that onus on me because what worked for me may not and will not or could not work for others. Um, So now, and by the way, this is not sponsored by Tim Hortons. I just had to drop my husband off the airport four o'clock this morning. And this is the same Tim Hortons I've been nursing for like seven hours. So it's my one treat this week. I don't leave the house often anymore. And I do talk really fast. So everybody bear with me. But (laughs) I, I really do want to put out there, we talked about kindness earlier. We have to give grace because we're going to see a lot of things. And I truly believe this. We're going to see a lot of things coming out of this. I know that had it not been for school friends, what was happening in my home would have never come out. So right now there's a child who maybe went into this pandemic around fourth grade and is coming out around sixth grade. And all of this stuff is going to be coming out, right? Mm -hmm. So these doors are going to be opening. We're going to start having access back into our social workers and our counselors and, and all these things. And there's going to, we're going to start hugging again and touching again and getting in people's spaces. And that's when these, these children are going to feel confident and safe. And it's no different than the women who are coming out of, I lost my job over the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Um, I now have to pivot. Um, 
I didn't kill my husband, but got really close. And now we're no longer married. There all these mm-hmm. shifts are going to happen. Mm-hmm. So I, that's the only thing I, I really want people that, yes, we have a right and a left. I'm from Kansas. I know both sides. Uh, you know, is this a pandemic or is this government control? I don't care about the conspiracy theories. I don't care about any of that. All I'm looking at the social and human experience of what we've gone through, the fear, fear changes, anger changes. We look for any way that gives us a control mechanism within our environment when we have no control of our environment. And I, that's all I ask is that people just be a little bit kinder because telling you, some of the people out there, it's like, relax, folks. We're all still here sucking air. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I want to pick up on a couple of things that you've said, because firstly, really acknowledging that no one's trauma is better or worse or more or less significant than someone else's. And I, I love that you mentioned that because, you know, I've worked with some clients who've said, oh, but you know, other people have got it worse than me. And it's that dismissing your own experiencing. And, and, and it's really important to not dismiss your experience and your feelings and your emotions and your, your, your thoughts and the sabotage stuff and the flattened, you know, oh, fight and the shame, and the shame, the shame. Yeah. They don't want to, they are embarrassed or ashamed because they don't. So and I went through this. I, for many years, held shame around my physiological responses and my emotional and psychological responses to the abuse. Mm-hmm. So I would minimize my damage and say, oh, it's not it's because if I, if I maximize or if I expound upon your trauma, then that I'm not giving, like, I'm not a giving room for, for my own. Right. If I say, oh, it's not as bad as yours. It discredits my own, which then leads into that shame and leads into that. Oh, I shouldn't feel this way. I shouldn't be that way. However, if you say, if we all just say, you know, if you've never broken a leg, you don't know what a broken leg feels like. But if you've broken your arm, a broken arm would feel the same as a broken leg. A stubbed toe to some people will feel as bad as a broken ankle. Men don't know the pain of giving birth because they can't. So why do we keep saying you never know what it's like? Although I do use that on my husband, depending on which (laughs) kid is driving me crazy. Um, But the reality is, is why do we keep going around this bush? trying to either disqualify others or disqualify ourselves by comparing trauma when the reality is your traumas don't compare the way they rewire your brain. They don't compare how they use up your serotonin levels. You know, we're only born with it. You ever wondered why old people can be really grumpy because their serotonin's all gone. (laughs) What makes them happy? That drug that we're born with in our brain that makes us happy. That's there Mm -hmm. to cushion when you're in a car accident or when you're going through a severe illness or, you know, those types of things are, our bodies are designed, right. To to navigate all these things. But when you self minimize yourself or minimize others, and we put all these like comparison things, you don't give space to actually healing and dealing. Yeah. And you, and you don't, respect honor and value 
your own experiences and your own, you know, whatever comes up for you. And it's not kind. It's not loving to yourself. And I think that, you know, what we as, and we aren't, you know, I'm talking women, it is for men as well because I know a lot of men that have gone through similar experiences who often get told to not not express and not deal with emotions that come up. And so, you know, I want to say it's really important to value, respect, honour and be kind to yourself by allowing those emotions and, like you said, give space for those emotions to come up and to acknowledge them and, like, the word validate is something that you hear a lot of people use and we we often those who and we've all gone through some form of trauma we, we all have that's just yeah reality, you don't right? you don't hit the grave un untraumatized hello yeah. otherwise you have not lived life right you know exactly exactly so, you know i i you know with my mediumship work i deal with grief and loss so if you've lost a loved one um who's passed over then you've dealt with trauma and if that, that loss has happened suddenly and quickly or in a way that's unexpected, it's often confounded and expanded. So, you know, we've all dealt with something traumatic. Um, and so, you know, it's really important to acknowledge that it's human to have that experience. And it's part of our journey, like you said, your experiences that you went through have have a purpose and Absolutely. it's your purpose and your purpose alone to to bring the learnings and the insights and the awareness and the strategies and the tools and the techniques and the whatever it is that you share you to that space Absolutely. to go hey if you're here dealing with that now here's what's possible Absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because I am on a quest and I'm on a really big quest and I may never make it as far. I never, I may only make it like five cities over and that's as far as I grow, or I may end up at a global level. Who knows? I'm just, I'm going to work. My goal is, you know, to reach as many women as possible and tell them that they, Hey, you're okay. We're all good. We're all good. And, uh, but if a woman that you meet is not in that space and she's okay with making the bills and living a quiet life be respectful not everybody has to be a world changer some people may be just changing their own world one quiet day at a time i have i i personally can find struggles around some of my girlfriends are like okay kim I can slot you in one day a month because after that, I need to sleep for three. So <laughs> I get that. I get that. Right. But, you know, and I can respect that. And I know it's not that I'm, you know, I'm rotating my friends out. I'm actually uh, preserving their energy so that they are prepared for me. And I think really knowing who you are. I think a lot of this, honestly, I hope that people have taken the last few years to get real clear on who they are. What a gift that's um, been given to us. Slowly on the world a little, although I, my bandwidth is like four times the amount on my computer. 
but slowing down a little and just saying, okay, where are we going? I mean, I love the videos where the cities were quiet and all the animals came out, right? <sighs> and I think that, you know, I'm, I'm in between just, you know, I'm in between the woke and the right. I'm very much in between because I'm a little too entrepreneurial for the woke, right? And I'm far too socialized infrastructure for the right. So it's funny because you talk to somebody from the right and they all think I'm a socialist. And you talk to somebody from the left and they all think I'm a capitalist. And where reality is, is I believe that we all just need to slow down, be a little bit kinder to ourselves. We need to provide infrastructure for those who need it. Like my oldest mm -hmm. has some challenges and struggles uh, financially and he may always, or, or you never know what will come in his life, but I need to know that he's taken care of. Um, but I can do that. So, right. If I can put money back in so that I can help somebody out who is unable to and let them heal or let them grow. So mm -hmm. I just, yeah, I, I was so excited to get your, your call. Like, <laughs> because I feel like you get it. I feel yeah. like you get it. Well, you know, I think that you're, I, I see both perspectives a little bit similarly to yours and you know, for me, uh, there's there's been some use of that term woke or wake up that's got a little bit of shame and judgment behind it rather than it's okay to be exactly where you are and to perceive and view things that way. And I accept that. It may or may not be my view. I, I, I don't need to share that. And you know, from a business perspective, my, my role and my, my purpose in this world is to provide a space for others to heal and move through and connect and grow and expand in whatever ways they feel fit. It's not my purpose to judge that. And, you know, it's not my purpose to tell you what you should or shouldn't do or expect you to, to do. And I think what the beautiful and amazing thing is about these last two years and a pandemic and, you know, our ancestors went through them. You know, this is not new to them. And they had a lot worse than we did. Um, you know, we've got yeah, in They didn't have Netflix. They didn't, they didn't have, have Netflix. Netflix. Oh, my they God. Have internet, right? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we've, we've got it a lot. But they didn't have online shopping and, you know, all of those things that, that we now have the luxury of that I think we need to get a bit of perspective on and come back and really go, okay, the job that I lost, I really hated anyway. So what an amazing gift it is that the universe or spirit or the divine or whoever it is you want to call it says, hey, you've been procrastinating a little bit too long about leaving and you've got a little bit of fear going on about taking that step. So we'll just make it happen for you and put you on your right path, right? And I think that if we come back and go, all of these experiences or these things are happening for me, not to me. There's a, a very different way of then viewing that and being able to be grateful, 
and look at what's right about the situation, not what's wrong with it. Because if we focus on what's wrong, we're always going to see something. Absolutely. Absolutely. One of the things I'd like to definitely uh, touch on is women in entrepreneurship. So here's some stats for ladies. Hold your hats, okay? Before the pandemic started, Forbes put out a uh, number. It was 100 and I believe $119 billion annually were in the global online education, leadership, mentorship, coaching um, uh, education space. Before the pandemic, they estimated that to be $325 billion globally by 2025. However, when we take what Bill Gates said last year that said that our evolution, the use of technology and working from homes and the different uh, ways that we work has advanced over a decade within this 18-month period. I think it was actually a 12-month period when he quoted that. So when we look at that, I'm, I'm projecting that we're actually going to see around a $400 billion industry in 2025. So my question to women are, especially women that are over 40, here's the reality. We don't get over 40 and do the things we do without having a zone of genius. Mm -hmm. And yes, ladies, somebody will pay you for that zone of genius. And yes, ladies, you should be paid fairly. So I challenge all women out there who are thinking of doing an entrepreneurship, uh, some sort of entrepreneurship or some sort of coaching or some sort of service base, go and look what your average or the median within your industry is, and you do not veer off of that charge because that is brought in between men and women. And if you look like in the United States, if you Google the term, Top Paid Speakers USA. You will see 20 speakers come across your screen. Six are women. Six are women. So what's the problem here? Either A, we're not investing in women, or B, we're not asking for the right money, or C, we're not navigating the systems right. We're not getting the, we're not understanding collaboration. We're too afraid that our stories aren't relevant, or our information's not relevant. We don't have the credibility through our assets. We're, we're not confident that, you know, somebody's actually going to pay me for what I've been giving away to my girlfriends and my kids and my husband and my coworkers for the last two decades. You know what? Stop it. Stop it. Because here's the reality. The hand that rocks, and don't get me wrong. My, I, I am not a man hater. I want to make this very clear. I have two adult sons. I have a grandson and I have a husband of 27 years. I do know though, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. I do know that it's my 24 year old son that comes to me when he needs that emotional feedback, right? I do know that I am the anchor for my husband. I am the anchor for my sisters. I am the anchor for my girlfriends because I have a wealth within me. So why shouldn't I? be the anchor financially for my community. You only do a disservice to yourself and for those and to those that you could service in future if you are bankrupt financially and sitting under a bridge wanting to continue forward. So quit doing it for free. Quit giving it away. Quit undercutting everybody else. Just get your get your assets in place. Feel confident in your message. So that's my two cents to women who are shifting into entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. I, I see this on a regular basis. 
Yeah. And it's okay if you say my, so a lot of women don't like sharing what their vision of wealth is because it may not be rich enough for today's world and the, and the language around, I'm going to have a jet, I'm going to have a private island, I'm going to have all this and all that. And I know that there is a certain sector of people who are looking for coaches and leaders that have all those flex things, right? But there's a lot of people out there who are willing to pay a fair amount. If you reflect their vision of wealth, my personal vision of wealth is not your personal vision of wealth, right? I really, I, I, I will be happy if over the next 10 years, I am able to sit on park benches around the world with a box of chocolates like Forrest Gump and talk to every person out there. That would thrill me, collecting those stories, creating a legacy of stories. That is my passion. That is not going to be Grant Cardone's passion. He would look at me and go, what is a park bench? Is that next to the airplane terminal that I own? <laughs> right. Yeah. And that's okay. That's okay. Everybody's definition is different, but don't, don't the women out there. If your definition is my definition of wealth today is that I can put braces on my middle child's teeth and I can get a car underneath me that runs well. And I can make sure all my utility bills are paid on time. And I can save up $500 to do a camping trip. So we have a family vacation this year. Good on you. Because that is a vision of wealth that builds you wealthier by, because please understand this. My mother said something to me that is one of the things that drives me so clearly forward. Poverty is a state of mind, not a state of economics. However, and this is where I am, if you do not ask for the economic return for your value, you will then drive yourself into a poverty state. Exactly. Exactly. That was really good. Make sure you write that down because I'm going to need that transcribed later and put that in a book because that was really good. So I love love that because, you know, I think that, that we as, we as women and we're often not taught about money or wealth or abundance and allowing ourselves to open to to receiving that and and that we're worthy of it and that we deserve it and that you know you're of value to the world and and money uh, and I, I do a trans, transform your money story program um, money is energy it's just an energy that, you know, and I kind of want to bring in that you talk about the resilience queen. If you're in your women, entrepreneurs or whatever, and you're an entrepreneur in your own home, if you're a, a stay-at-home mum, right, um, you're an entrepreneur. So sit on your throne and be the queen of whatever kingdom it is that you're the entrepreneur of, Right. And direct the energy, whether that's, you know, where am I going to put the the last $5 that I have in my bank? Um, Am I directing that towards food that goes on the table? Or am I, you know, saving money and bringing that in? Or what am I doing with it? And am I directing it in a way that is, loving and kind and towards what I'm passionate about and what I love because when you're honoring and respecting and and loving and 
kind towards your money, it comes back to you because money doesn't want to stay with you if you kind of, you know, and that's that whole poverty cycle. We're not often asking for what we want. And so money goes, oh, why would I want to go there? Or we're settling for less than what we're worth. Absolutely. And women will work from statistically when we, when studies are done. So they've done all these studies on how to get your female employees engaged, how to do this. We tend to work from a, a, uh, a charitable or a give back or a point of change, point of change versus just a point of monetization. So I like to ask people, if you were to make, so what is your goal? What is your goal? And, you know, they'll, they'll usually have a goal. And those goals are anywhere between 120000 to $1.2 million typically, right? Um, because the average female entrepreneur out there makes less than forty six k a year. So that's what we need to really yeah. focus on. And nobody can raise kids on forty six k a year. I mean, ramen noodles now are like two bucks a pack when they were yeah. like four for a buck when I was a kid, right? Yeah. So when we, when we look at that, if I waved a magic wand and you made 120K next year, what would be your give back? Yeah. If you're not going to work for you, work for those that you can serve. Quit saying, I wish I could have, would have. I mean, I'm sitting here right now and I've got a five-year goal and I'm working with a couple different charitable organizations to set up my resilient township in the very center of the United States. And these are going to be for girls who are coming off the streets, who have been in sex trades. These are our throwaways in society. Mm -hmm. These are girls who are suffering from the shame of not completing their high school diploma. These are girls who don't have any ownership over their own body, their own mind, their own soul. But it's mm -hmm. because I have a real estate background, I know I can go into these ghost towns, these towns that at one point in time had you know, 1,500 people living in them and now have 75 and they have infrastructure, an old school, an old church, you know, old houses, but they have the core infrastructure and that's what we can build upon and we can have these girls come to us. And then the flip side of that is the monetization opportunity is, is that the old larger infrastructures, the school and the church can be turned into retreat spaces for women like yourself that want to do cooking uh, yoga, holistic energy, uh, horseback riding, photography, any of these things, but now their money is going into a charity that yeah. benefits the next generation of women versus, and don't get me wrong, I'm not anti Hilton or anti, you know, Marriott or anything, but it starts putting the energy of the energy of the energy of the energy all back together. And where does McDonald's, what's, does anybody know here? Do you know what McDonald's true wealth is? It's in their real estate. Their yeah. wealth portfolio is their real estate around this globe. Yeah. So by not leasing the land of which we do it on, but owning the space that we do it in, and we create a safe space for these girls, and we align with small colleges, and we put out there going, okay, we need to set up uh, so they can get their, their high school, and then they get a post-secondary. What does that post-secondary look like? Hospitality, culinary, mm -hmm. bookkeeping. There's so many different opportunities. And then we layer in the financial, we can bring this, then we can get investors, we can get all that and think about all the ways. So when I ask women, if, what's your goal? 
on what's the change you can make. My goal is to have $10 million cash in hand in five months or five years. So that means that my annual goal, and this this is why um, Tony Robbins is a great uh, person to follow when it talks about goal setting, is you do a 90-day, a one-year, a three-year, and a five-year. So then you can reverse engineer what needs to be done in your fourth year, your third year, your second year, your one year out. And then you can break that down into your quarterly cycles. And I, I do a 90-day planning every quarter, every quarter. And I sit here and say, because I have to reverse engineer, what, do I, what am I doing tomorrow yeah. in order to make that 90-day happen, in order to make that one year happen, in order to get to my five years? Because I survived three suicide attempts a cycle of serious trauma. I woke up at 27 after not sleeping for the first 27 years of my life, because that's where the abuse took place. I woke up at 27 safe because I I married the man. I married the best guy out there. I tell you, my husband's my hero. And um, I woke up and I looked around and said, oh my God, I know what I'm here for. I know why I'm here. So if I don't do this, who will? So I'm asking women out there, you got to make 120 a year in order to be able to help the, the scouts troop for your child to make a difference in a child who cannot afford to go to scouts or go to camp. Then let's do that because that ripple effect is huge. Yeah. And you know, thank you for sharing that because I think people do get stuck on that. I've set a goal and, and that's it. Um, you know, you do have to have your what's the dream behind that goal that if you had all the money in the world that was available to you what would you do with it how would you um, support help um, give to others and you know my my partner and I are both really passionate about and my background's education so you know we're both really passionate about kids that don't have access to education or personal development that allows them to get the skills they need to get a job or or to improve their life, you know. Um, I was the first child in my family to go to university and get that education. And so for my parents, that, that neither of them really did well at school or my mother didn't even finish school. So, you know, it's what is it that you're passionate about and can can give back to? And, you know, my purpose, my path is around supporting victims of homicide and and using my mediumship work in that way and, and how I can support families to move through grief and loss and then stepping into the children of those, the orphans that have been left. Absolutely. In fact, fact, I was just on that note. Um, I had the opportunity to meet a gal. And when we talk about loss, um, her husband committed suicide when he was 32, 34, left her with three young children. And by the way, insurance policies do not pay out for suicide. And she was not working. She was a high school graduate at home with these three kids. And so she was left with not only a financial deficit, but then compounded with an emotional deficit. So absolutely, you know, there 
I just say for those who can lead, if you're strong mm -hmm. enough to go out and start a company, you're strong enough to step out in front, ask for the bloody money so you mm -hmm. can give back and help those who are not strong enough because it may not be their generation's turn but it may be their children's generation's turn. It was not my mother's generation or my father's grandmother. My father's grandmother went to the grave with, or my father's mother, Iona, went to the grave with this shame around everything that happened to her family because she didn't have the strength. It's also a different generation, but it was generational. And my mother has done, has had enough strength for just us girls. Yeah. Whereas us girls are, are now, you know, my sister, uh, who is doing an incredible job, she actually runs a school in Wichita, Kansas, for developly, developmentally challenged, some of them are nonverbal young adults, it's a school, she goes in and she, she, she helps these young adults, these teens, to grow to their greatest level of success that they can, right? Mm -hmm. So I love the fact that my mother inspired these these young these women, right? Um, and and that's all I can say is that you know that's that's what I do. I have a, a like I said, I have a, a a vision board work kind of shop that we do every kind of quarter, and it's I don't ask a ton of money because it's all group-based. It's not independent one-on-one. -on -one. And all it is, is a jogger, right? Mm -hmm. We're looking at your sphere of influence. We're looking at, you know, everything around you and we're breaking that down into your quarter. So mm -hmm. when I get an example, you say, I want to do a client outreach uh, quarterly. Great. No problems. How are we going to do that? Here is how to host an event. We're going to, we need eight weeks to host an event, which means you need to have your newsletter out here in second week of this next quarter. We need to do this, 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 and this, because those people already love you. So get them coming back, get them referring, make your money. So you can yeah. do the things that you want to do to make life a little bit better for those around you. Yeah. Now, Kim, I'm aware we could talk all day. <laughs> We're going to do this again in six months. Absolutely. Gonna, let's do this again in six months. Um, I'm, I am, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited by just chatting with you. Sorry. No, I get that. Like you are Thank awesome. You. Thank you. And can you share with people where they can connect with you if they want to learn more about the work that you do? Awesome. Uh, I am resilientseries.com. Uh, it's Kim Hayden. You can find me on uh, Instagram, which I'm not really good at, to be very clear on that. It's just like whatever goes up. Uh, that's uh, Resilient Series on Instagram. On LinkedIn, I am Kim Hayden. And I actually love LinkedIn because you get that. That's more the professional side. Um, and then hello at resilientseries.com. Uh, that is, that's my primary email. I, I absolutely love just connecting out and collaborating. And, um, like I said, we, I'm tackling all these niches this year. So, uh, mompreneurship and the, the, um, uh, life after divorce. And we're, we've got quite a few in there. Uh, we're, we're doing, um, and wealth. I want it, like, I'm actively seeking out like the accountants and, the uh, women who actually can teach about wealth understanding. Cause like you mentioned, we really aren't taught about wealth. 
right? So yeah, super excited. This yeah. is this is this is the year the doors are going to open up, whether or not COVID's still around. And this is a year that I just encourage women to ask for what they are worth, and and really recognize what they're worth and, you know, reach out to women like yourself to help move them in that medium. If you need to figure out what you're worth, because trust me, ladies, you're worth a ton. You're worth, yeah. you're worth your weight in gold and, and do seek out leadership. Every Olympic athlete. So we think about Olympians at their peak. Every Olympic athlete goes to the Olympics with a coach. Mm. So if you don't have somebody around you that's inspiring you to the next level, do seek out that someone. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We need our cheerleaders, our coaches, our mentors, our guides, whatever that, that looks like for you. Thank you so, so much. Um, and for everyone who's listening, thank you for connecting. Please hit the like, subscribe, put a comment below on any insights that you gained from this episode. And please share and share alike. <laughs> um, and if you want to connect with me further, jump on my website, thebarefootmedium.com.au or Facebook, Instagram, all of those places. And I look forward to connecting with you on the next episode of Barefoot with Spirit podcast. Thank you all. Have a great um, and amazing time wherever you are in the world and make sure that you shine your light and ask for what you're worth. Thank you.